Hello, welcome to Truck Stop Murder. I mean, Truck Stop Murder and True Crime Podcast. I am your host, Gary Howard. And again, I was able to get this out within two weeks. I think I'm going to try to keep it at two weeks. I want to do a week, but with my record, with my driving schedule, it's really hard to get you know the research down, the recording down, everything like that. Working 14 hours to get this in. I mean, I could deprive myself of sleep, but do you really want me out there driving on the highways, sleep deprived? I don't think so. So I'm gonna keep these episodes about every two weeks until I could probably figure out a better way of research and different things and whatnot. So before I get started, I I need to put some information out. I did one of these before, but comes my uh, it's called a bolo report. A bolo report, if you're not familiar what that means, is be on the lookout report. And today is a, a missing girl out of Houston, Texas. Hopefully I say this name right. Uh, Thalia Maria Marquez, Marquez, M-A-C-I-S. She was 15 years old. She was born, she's 5 foot tall. She weighs about 84 pounds. Sex female, hair black, eyes brown. Racist Hispanic, and she's been missing since December 16th of last year. Missing State Course, Houston, Texas. I just found out about this information. She's actually a niece of mine, of a friend of mine's niece, Rick Rivera. That he, I saw a post on him, so I said I'll put it out there. Maybe some people I know in Houston, maybe <coughs> keep a lookout for her. Excuse me. So Thelia was last seen. Like I said, uh, December 16th of last year, 2019. Thalia has braces, pink, and green bands on them. Thalia was wearing a black hoodie with white lettering and light blue jeans and black and white checkered Avon shoes. Thalia may still be in the area. No other information is available at this time. So they're still out here looking for her. If you want to know what she looks like, I've been posting pictures on my, all my social medias at Truck Stop Murder on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Truck Stop Murder. I'll put all the show notes. They're concerned. Of course, of course, their family's concerned about her. They want her to come home. And if anybody have seen her, like I said, go to my website, to my Facebook page. You'll see pictures of her. If you do see her, if you've seen or have any information, please contact KDISD. The phone number is 281-829-6087. Or you can call First Priority Search and Recovery, which the number is. Well, first there's three numbers, 979-645-1177, 979-402-6020, and 832-832. 8079421 so let's f- find this girl and let's get her home to her family all right so with further ado where was i at let me what this episode brings me from beaver colorado and before I'll say I'll give all the social medias at the end. I won't bore you with that at the beginning. So yeah, Flying J in Beaver, Colorado. As of right now, it's five. I think I right. I, well, I'm actually recording out of Phoenix at the Flying J, but the the truck stop I was at when I found this was a Flying J as well. 
but I'm in Phoenix, Arizona right now, waiting on a load. But this Flying J is in Utah, Beaver, Utah. I get a laugh after every time I hear that. Beaver, Utah. And it is, let's see where it's at. It's on exit 112 in, on I-15. If you want to know the address, it's 653 West 14th North Beaver, North Beaver, Utah. It's not a bad truck stop. I've never had really no issue with parking spots. You have the main parking lot. Then you have like a dirt little lot where everything's dirt out there. There's a truck stop across the street. I don't have the name for that right now. But I'll save that for maybe a future episode. But so there's usually parking here. The cell phone service is really not that great that I found while I was there. I really get really no signal because it's really in the middle of nowhere. But yeah, it has, according to Trucker's Path, it has 120 parking spots. Oh yeah, but I forgot. It's 1700, 1709 right now, or 509. And as of 14 minutes ago, it has just had some spots. So, but that's just the parking lot. Like I said, there's a big field. There's no parking there. There's a big field, which I have seen a lot of trucks parked there. Fuel right now is 259 so and, and and with these I'll, I take pictures of if you want to see what these people like aerial view of it just go to my social media pages and you'll see these pictures so as for reviews let's see what people think of this place oh they do have a Mexican restaurant there which I have bought which is pretty good let's go with one star this place wants you to use a new cup and then charge you 89 cents for a cup of ice take your own cup use the cup use their cup fill it and throw it away that's what he wants you to do okay this one don't bother finding parking flying j is full there's he's just talking about updating parking and here's what this one got one star clean the damn pumps and fuel islands damn things are beyond filthy i did not see that when i was there you know one other five star happy with place another one star they should be do something about the smell I don't know what smell he's talking about I've never smelt it and if it's coming from somewhere else of course how are they gonna do anything about it anyway a good driver can hum these nuts to super trucker I don't know what that has to do with this it's a three star a good driver can hum on these nuts to super trucker whatever so I swear some people just do anything for some kind of notoriety. Okay, this one is this is anonymous. It looks full, but a good driver can still get a okay, whatever. Points and they, they a lot of people say they don't use you have Verizon wireless sucks here. Like I told you, cell phone service is not very good. You know they they keep saying they don't take points there. But there's the reviews. And I'm going to quickly go, if you find yourself there, over to restaurants. I'm not going to go to reviews or anything like that because I find it probably kind of boring. Nobody cares about reviews on regular restaurants. You either know the restaurant or you don't. But I did tell you about that. Like I said, you have the Mexican restaurants. Inside of it's pretty good. But you have the Flying Jade, whatever they have. They're usually deli food, like chicken wings and different things. Then Eagle's Landing, Valerie Taco Shop, good. Wendy's, Dairy Queen, Denny's. Carl's Jr., Subway, and McDonald's. And this is all within a quarter mile from the place. And I'm going to try something. And if and I have not got really no reviews. And if anybody thinks I should do this, let me know. If not, just 
I guess just stay quiet like you have been. <laughs> but I think I'm going to start looking at who's from this area. And the person I found from this area is no other than Robert Lee Roy Parker. If anybody knows who that is, he was born in April 13th, 1866, November 7th to November 7th, 1909. And if you want to know who Robert Lee Roy Parker is, he was better known as Butch Cassidy, who was an American train and bank robber and the leader of a gang of criminal outlaws known as the Wild Bunch in the OS. So there you have it. Here I'm thinking that there's nothing comes out of Beaver, Utah, because it's like in the middle of nowhere. And look at here. Motherfucking Butch Cassidy is around. But I'm going to start doing that, looking up to see if I could, who I could find. But what I did find is not as popular as Butch Cassidy. This takes us back to 1949, actually. And I was going to cover the um, Mountain Meadow Massacre this week because it happened too far. But I think I'm not ready. That's more of a historical one. Maybe something that... Or like a time suck type thing with Dan Cummings should cover. Maybe. I think it's it's on his voting, but I don't, it's not for me. I'm going to try to do more of like a notorious, not no like cult leading thing. Maybe in the future I might try to cover something like that in a, maybe a future. But let's work on this one right now. But let's talk about what, who I found. These duos. Mr. Vern Alfred Brash. B-R-A-A-S-H and Melvin Leroy Sullivan. So let's talk about these two guys. First of all, I want to point something out. You know, the guy Vernon Alfred Brash looks so much like another podcaster I listened to. As a matter of fact, who got me into podcasting, James Petragallo. This guy, I'm going to post all the pictures on my social media you'll see if you do listen to small town murder which you should it's very entertaining you guys always have me laughing and like i said also inspired me to do this i'll always be ever grateful for them for you know showing me the way and on a you know unbeknownst to them but they did but yeah he looks so much like him so some people just travel in time get good episodes i guess <laughs> But um, so here's the story about these two guys. But like I said, Vern Alferbash and Melvin Leroy Sullivan. So on the 21st and 22nd of October 1949, they went from a bus from Cedar City Beaver. Cedar. Let's start this again. I'm already right off the gate. I'm messing up. Cedar City. Utah to Beaver, which reaches about 53 miles north on U.S. Highway 91. Where I count of them opening, of course it was deer season at the time, so the place was flooded with different people out there hunting deer and whatnot. So because of this, over you know, abundance of people, restaurants and gasoline stations, they were open all night. They went to a 24-hour cycle. So they, they went to this coffee shop called the Drew Drop Inn, where after they sat there, had some cup of coffee. And following that thing with the Standard Oil Company service station, about a block and a, a block and a half away, so maybe by a quarter mile, I'm guessing. But again, no one out there, that could have been five miles. I don't know. Remaining, so they remained in the store for about an hour and a half, not really buying nothing, you know. And then they returned to do drop in for more coffee, and then from there they were seen leaving about 7:15, 7:45 in the morning of October 22nd a few miles south of Beaver on Highway 91 where they're trying to thumb a ride from deer hunters that was going around 
And I, I'm assuming they were ready to just go get their... Since it was early in the morning, they were trying to just try to get their deer stands. They weren't trying to give nobody no ride. You know, so they finally got a ride from... They flagged down a Greyhound bus, which they tucked back to Cedar City. So... What what were they doing? What was going on? Why did they just hang out the Standard Oil Company? Well, come to find out that um, a couple of Marines were stopping by to get them some self coffee before they went to their deer lease. So about four o'clock that morning, they got there, and what they found was not good. They soon found Howard Mazzone, M-A-N-Z-I-O-N-E, of the, he was a tenant there, was found. By the two Marines, like I said, there's two Marines on their way hunting at the station floor, mortally you laying on the ground unconscious, mortally wounded from four 22 caliber bullets. He was rushed to the Iron County Hospital at Cedar Point City, where he died about 7:13. So they found him alive. He managed to stick around four, five, six, about three and a half hours a.m. in the morning. And then during the morning, they they're looking around trying to figure out what was going on, and they found a 22 caliber pistol was found near Beaver oh. River, where it came across, where it cut across 91 south of Beaver City. Hmm. So, where did they go? Where were these two guys? And nobody saw what was going on. Kind of find out they went to. They end up going to um, Beaver City, but closely after that, they end up going. They catching another bus to Las Vegas, where about on the 23rd or on th- you know they finally found a lot of people saw them going in and out. They saw them at the store. They saw them there, and uh, when they're hitchhiking down 91, a lot of people see them. Right now, it's just a bunch of circumstantial, uh, you know, eyewitnesses and everything. They don't have no really solid proof. Of course, being 49. I don't know if they how the fingerprinting system was. I know a lot of the outlaws back there talking about you know Butch Cassidy. A lot of lot of states operated by themselves, so that's a lot of times you see them in the old movies. They'd be racing towards the state line because they wanted to get away from. Because once they knew they crossed the state line, they'd be fine. They didn't really communicate with each other like they do now. You know, plus electronics and internet just made everything so much easier. So they left Cedar City by bus to Las Vegas, arriving there about 4.30 in the morning on the 23rd, where they were arrested right away. You know, but, you know, straight away the cops got them. And right away, Sullivan confessed to the Beaver shooting. Thereupon, Sheriff Jasper Poofer of Beaver County was notified and was on his way. You know, where, where was I at? Was notified with patrolmen Ernest C. Pierce and James Scott, special investigator for the Standard Oil Company. They drove to Las Vegas, arriving there about 6.30, 7 p.m. late that night. So they've been let them sit in jail for a while. Speed, think about what, I mean, Sullivan already confessed. So two local police officers brought Sullivan in. And the presence of the five officers informed him that he wished to, at his own free will, keep in mind, this, you'll hear this is all going to come back in the future. They met, read him his Miranda rights and said on his own free will, he could make a statement to the Beaver City about the Beaver City killing, that did he, he, but he didn't have to. They informed him that he could get a lawyer. He, before he made any statement, he was entitled to a consult attorney. But any statement which can be made against him, of course, you know, this, you'd be hold against him in court and whatnot. 
So he said he was ready to talk. So he knows his rights. He knows that he can talk to a lawyer, but he's ready to talk. And under the questioning of one of the local officers, he made a statement which was taken and subscribed to, uh, you know, written down on paper. And the transcript was handed to Sullivan. They asked him to read it. He said, that is correct. Therefore, slowly and carefully read through it all. When he finished, he signed every single paper. No changes, no deletions, no nothing. Everything was right, clear to what he did. And he signed each page therefore acknowledged it was right so Sullivan was taken away and Brash was brought in so they already got him saying it but they want to hear from Brash too they want to hear his story so when the local officers foreign him as they did a Sullivan about his whole Miranda rights you could consult with a attorney you could do this and what he, but he did not have he didn't want to make a statement but if he choose to on his own free will like same thing with like with that with um Sullivan but what they told him he said he wasn't ready to make a statement time he wanted to talk to a lawyer first so Brash first asked for attorney then cornered the sheriff investigator Scott he waited 10 minutes in which first said Brash said I am ready to say my side but before I forget I have my statement but could I don't know my notes just don't make no sense let's start over again (laughs) oh by the way this is going to be unedited I don't have is what it is. Sullivan was taken away and Brash was brought in. One of the local officers informed him that Sullivan had confessed of the Beaver City killings and he did not have to make any statement but could if he chose to do so and his own free will. But he had the right to consult attorney before talking to any statement to have make any statement he could chose to free will. He made might be used against Brash. First, asked for attorney. Then, coroner, sheriff, investigator Scott. He waited for about five or ten minutes and said nothing. Then he was like, "I'm ready to tell you my side of story." Patrolman Pierce added to the above version. This event that when Brash requested attorney, he was told that he got the district court an attorney, but he appointed for him. But before that, he wishes to have such advice, he would have to pay for it. So before he even get a... Of course, these cops are going to lie to you, just get the, you know anything they want. And they can't do so if they could get a confession. They could lie. They could twist the truth. They could do whatever. They could say that Sullivan's in our room, you know, squealing like a pig, even though he might not. I even seen one case where they when the one individual was getting well I, I can't remember where I saw this or heard it or is it even true but one them they like they're questioning two people and the cop told a guy hey your, your party knocked you out for a McDonald's ch- a cheese beer burger meal Whopper meal then outside they said here's your food you hungry he said yeah so they walked by the door making sure the door was open and he looked up and saw him walking by with the McDonald's and he said oh that's some bitch knocked me out for a happy meal pretty much <laughs> so like I said he said he would have to pay for it the record is silent as the ability to pay because of course he's broke Brass Thurpon said he was ready to talk and proceed went through the same with him as Sullivan until he signed he, he made the agreement said everything he did and with and said signed all the paperwork and so there you go but I'll like to take a little break real quick and talk about something that's really kind of dear to my heart. And being a truck driver, we go to all over the places and stuff like that. And a lot of bad things happen to people that that should not happen. And what I is called truckers against trafficking. 
since who knows what happened to uh, our missing person from our Bolo report. I mean, maybe she was picked up by, you know, someone human traffic. Hopefully not. Hopefully she finds home. But, you know, if you're at one of these truck stops and you see something like suspicious, anything that don't look right, you know, some girls running around, a lot of times they say don't try to take her away because all you're doing is you might be helping her, but in the big picture things you're not doing really, you're not helping out. So here's what you do if you're at a truck stop and you, you, you suspect any kind of human trafficking or anybody who is being held against their will, which, believe it or not, is crazy. That is a big problem in 2020, and we still have human slavery. Trafficking of girls in these truck stops for sex slaves and whatnot. This needs to stop. But if you do see, if you're watching a crime in progress, call 911, of course, and then call the hotline. If you're a truck stop, travel plaza, or any other businesses, please notify the manager on duty, of course, of the suspicious activity. He or she needs to be aware of what is taking place on the property and assisted in ending it. Anti-trafficking hotline advocates are available 24-7 to take reports, potential human trafficking all reports are confidential and you may may remain anonymous and my phone keeps interpreters are available interpreters are available the information you provide will be reviewed by the national hotline and forwarded to specialized law enforcement and or service providers where appropriate the call hotline is in the us is 1-888-373-7888 and there's num that's the, the the U.S. number. If you're in Canada, call one eight three three nine hundred one zero one zero in Canada. In Mexico, it's zero one eight zero zero five five three three zero zero zero. And text info or help to be to be free b e f r e e to two three three seven three three so let's end human trafficking and get these girls home all right so back to these sullivan and brosh so they were arrested in las vegas where they quickly started well sullivan first started talking and then brosh was you know notified that he already said everything and he tried to get a lawyer then they lied to him saying you have to pay for it first which you just need to just shut the fuck up, and you know they, they just would they can't torture evidence out of you. So eventually they probably would have gave up and got him a lawyer. So on October 25th, the defendants were taken before a justice of the peace at Beaver City, where they were furnished a copy of the complaint. Well, this is what you're being arrested for, and they were without legal counsel. There's nobody there or device or relationship or friends. Keep in mind these these were young guys. You know, they weren't that old. They were, I think Brash was 24 and Sullivan was 19 at the time. And they were just traveling around the country, I guess. So, just travel around, nowhere to go. 49's vagabonds. So, no, for nobody there, their complaint was read where they informed that they were entitled to a speedy trial to be represented by counsel. So they told them about the, the lawyers at every stage of the procedure and that, that they could have their preliminary hearing then or could ask for a postponement to per, per, procure a lawyer, to get a lawyer. Whereupon Brash asked if they could have an attorney. So Brash seems like the smart one of the group. You know, he, he knows, wait, we need a lawyer. We just can't be, you know, doing this ourselves. Can we have a lawyer at this time and at the trial? The district, 
district attorney then explained that the justice of the peace does not have the right to appoint counsel at a plenary hearing, but if he binds you over, hands you over to the district court, it will appoint counsel for you. But you have the right to employ counsel for yourself for the hearing. He further explained that the preliminary hearing is not a trial, but merely a determining whether probable cause exists to hold the defendant, whereby each defendant consented to holding a preliminary hearing for them. So just figure out what they're going to do with them. So let's see what they decide to do with them. So the court went to trial. Of course, they pled not guilty. They said they didn't even because they didn't. They said they confessed on their false pretenses, and they were forced and manipulated into the confessions, and they were coerced. So they both got their own lawyers. They were trial together, but they both had separate legal defenses, legal teams, and whatnot. So of course, with all the evidence against them, as a matter of fact, Sullivan told them where the gun was at. There's Everything people see him there. Everything. Of course, you know the judge. After it was all said and done with, they're like, "All right, you two, they're hung out together. They're being tried together, and they were found guilty together." The judge says, "Be gone with you, the death penalty." Of course, the, you know they had to go through all their appeals and stuff like that. They try to, you know, write for a habeas corpus, and to the district to postpone the execution of them because. The, so they, they, I could think there's automatic ones, but they're really trying to push this issue about how they did not, they were coerced on the, the confession that was not accurate. They were, they, they were the preliminary hearings without counsel, and that was, through the whole process, they were constantly asked. They're constantly asked. They kind of did. At any time, they could have not said nothing. But the Utah Supreme Court denied the potential of such right of a hearing on the Tuesday of the afternoon while they're, and Roger. I. McDonough, who presided after a hearing before the Utah Supreme Court commanded, said Mr. Sandrick for his diligence in pressing the case, but added because there's just prolonging it. So what this guy had to say was men who pursue every means to prolong their lives often suffer more than those who accept their punishment. He's saying he just, just accept it move on. In most cases that itself is cruel and un, inhuman and a man suffers many deaths as he approaches his fate and and over and over again to have it postponed by legal processes. So federal judge Willis M. McClitter will rule the, the newest potential for a right hair beast corpus. Pointing out the defense counsel had exhausted every remedy in the state of courts, Mr. Sandek contended that the federal Supreme Court is refused. They don't want to hear nothing about the potential to write a certain of the case. They don't want to hear nothing about it. They're like, nope. So after exhausting all the pair on October 20, after exhausting all means of appeals and everything on October 20 of the October 22nd, 1949 slayings. They were provided with attorneys when they were went to trial in Perum two months after the exhausted and 24th he was rested in Vegas. Um, so I'm sorry about that. My notes are just kind of running all in together. So the trial. I'm not going to really go into the trial because, like I said, the majority of it is just them talking about how they were coercing confessions. And that they were, it was false. But like I said, they were found guilty. 
and they got the sentence. So like hanging out together, killing together, traveling together. Guess what? They are going to get executed together. So what happened was, and this is the, on the executions, there, there was a double execution. It's the second one in Utah's history. The first one was that of, of antelope and long hair. I'm, I'm assuming they're Indians. I, I really need to look that up. In 1854, so they had two chairs that was placed in a sled-type apparatus. Sandbags were placed beyond the chairs, and wood shavings covered the floor. Two chairs used. Two chairs were used. One was black, and one was, and one was white. Which the black one's been used for execution. One white, newly painted. Sullivan sat in the black one. Brass sat in the white one. The execution was conducted by a sheriff of Iron County, where the trial had been held. Trial has was moved from Beaver County because they didn't think this was going to get a really fair trial there, so it was moved to that county. The sheriff placed his hat over his heart with signaling. Well, let's just before we get there, let's let's talk about what they had. Let's see their last meal. Brash and Sullivan, they even ate their last meal together. How special! You know, Brash and Sullivan ate their last meal of roast pheasant, which I don't know how that tastes like, green salad, and strawberries and cream. The warden in his memo authorized the last meal also ordered one pint of wine for each of them. One pint of each dry wine and sweet wine to be shared between inmates. So they're having a nice romantic dinner. I'm surprised. You know, how nice of them. You know, with a little wine. They have a, you know, I bet you there was a candlelight between them two. Everything. Of course, Mazine's father, that's the, the, the poor individual. He didn't get no wine before he died. So why should these two assholes? Let's get that out there. So father, along with several hundred other witnesses, was present at the execution. Afterward, he says, now perhaps we can have peace. We want everyone to know we've never had any thought or revenge or malice towards anyone. We're just glad that the last is, is finally over. The Catholic chaplain wrote to Brash's mother. Vern helped stabilize Melvin at the time of the execution. She wrote back to requesting the, the help finding the marker for his son's grave. So, that's the, the double execution of them. And of course, there, before the, you know, before it was all that, they were talking about how they were coming from broken homes. And broken homes, we grew up in neglect. And what they're saying, I, for, let's, I mean, I have to find their last meal because this is their last statement because this is, I don't know, some kind of, you know, humorous in a way. You know, points some, let's see. All right, here we do. Melvin S Leroy Sullivan was executed with Burn Brash on 11th May, 1956, as we have only a few hours to live. This is before we are there. They got shot. Sullivan in black chair, Brash in the white chair. You know, matter of fact, they they had a face chase people, not chase people off, but they had have two shooting, you know, firing squads for each one of these individuals, and there was not a lot of responders. Everybody wanted some of these two guys, and but they had to be deputized to be on the firing squad. So they had plenty of people. So before they got executed, they, there was one of their statements, they didn't say who, I guess it was like a multiple of both of them. We wish to make a public statement. First, we do not protest against being punished. We are found guilty of a serious crime. In the second place, we wish to say impartial 
excuse for ourselves that we did not have a fair chance in life get ready folks if coming from a broken homes like i said we grew up in neglect like i said in youth we were denied parental care affection guidance here's where it gets crazy religious training would have pointed us in the right direction but we were not taken to sunday school or to church services while in prison during the long years of waiting we have tried to build up in our souls that was lacking we now try to accept our severe punishment with true religious resurrect resentment resurrection or whatever so their last meal like i said was pheasant but there you go there's like i said i wanted to do the mount metal massacre but i figured that's just too much for me right now you know i'm, I'm gonna try to get these small cases i have two weeks and 14 hours a day constantly but yep, there you go, Vern Alfred Brash and Melvin Leroy. Melvin Leroy Sullivan, double murder. So like I said, they hung out together, they murdered together, they traveled together, they ate together, and they were executed together of uh, the poor Howard Mazanon. So there you have it. I see this is going to be like a little short episode. Next week's going to be a, a hopefully a little bit longer and funner. Uh, and I want to say fun. Gary, you're sick. Thank you. <laughs> but um, like I said, I'm going to try to put these out every two weeks from now on. And if you do like what you hear, if you do like my mush mouth and my un, just a mess of a podcaster, I guess. But I do enjoy doing this. And I'm not planning on going anywhere anytime soon. Please go to iTunes, you know, rate, review, and subscribe if you like my nonsense or any kind of platform you go to. You can listen to me on any platform. I also put an extra one on CastBox because that's what I originally started listening to podcasts on. And I started there. Then I just kind of brought in my horizon to different places you can find me in all them places or if you want to go to my groups like i said truck stop murder on facebook instagram and on twitter it's like kind of like a group i'm trying to get more people to talk in any discussion on there but nobody's saying anything so that's fine i'm okay with that or you can email me at truckstopmurder at gmail.com or directly to me but probably that'll be the best one because I get so much mail at my regular email but truckstopmurder at gmail.com and as always thank you for giving me a second of your day listen to my podcast and don't forget you can't fix stupid but you can numb it with a 2x4 sergeant awesome out and let's make these better podcasts for you bye Uh...